Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Diego and DeVore show. And they pulled somebody up from the grave, Derek Flair. And here I am to tell you that you're in the right place whenever you see the Diego and DeVore show on your screen. You are in the right place and it's going to be big woo tonight. Welcome to another episode of the Diego and DeVore show. Brought to you by Invicta Watches and Rogue Energy on Anchor.fm. Also streaming wherever you find your favorite wrestling podcast, whether it be iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. With your hosts, Diego De La Rosa and Lord Everett DeVore as we talk all things wrestling, untold road stories, and bring you stories about guys and gals you might not have heard about and what's to come. So step inside that squared circle with us as we take you on a fun field ride. Alright, here we go with another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show. Diego, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. Um, so, something new. So, we call this the Diego and Divorce Show. But we're going to add a little something extra. So, let me introduce tonight a, a good friend of ours, Stan. Hey, buddy. hey what's going on, guys? Hey, you know. Stan the Lariat, how the hell are you, man? I am doing just capital, sir. Just capital. Ah, the dandy talk. So, <laughs> technically, we're going to look at this as the second episode of the spinoff show that we have. Mm-hmm. And um, so, the brain trust here, we got together and tried to come up with a good name for the new show. And um, I think his lordship, yet again... Pulled a diamond from the rough and uh, christened. What? What are you? What are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, pl- I'm playing you up and you're killing it, man. <laughs> so, go ahead and share with the fine folks the name of the new show. Well, today we're going to start something that we you, technically it's the second time we've done it. The folks haven't heard the first one. It's going to be released soon. But we like doing it so much the first time around, we decided to make this a regular part of what we do. And so we're going to call this the Ultimate Watch Along. And today, we're going to watch Saturday night's main event from May, what is it, the 5th? 11th of 1985. May 11th, 1985, the very first Saturday night's main event. So Stan, Diego, and I, we're going to... We're going to sit down and watch this together, and if it needs to be ripped, we're going to rip it. If it needs to be praised, we're going to praise it. Uh, but either way, it should be entertaining as hell. Uh, I don't know what uh, Diego's got to drink, but I got my tall can of ale here and some uh, apple juice. Stan, I think he's got his juice box from uh, Ace there. Uh, so I may tell you to take your juice box and get to stepping. <laughs> is that like box? Is that like a like a miniature box wine? Stan's just sitting there going, I hate both of you. It's already started. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I'm uh, Okay. Are you breaking, Are you drinking Broken Skull IPA? I am, sir. You dirty bastard. That's a sellout move right there. No, sir. I, I just, it became available where I live. So I they sell it oh. by the can or by the six pack. So I bought I a can just to see what it tastes like. And you know what? It's friggin' good. 
No, no BS. It's actual, and I'm not an IPA guy. I really don't like ale, but this one, it's from, it's an Indian ale. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually I like India idea, spices yeah. in it and it's incredible. Uh, 15 minutes in the freezer is all you need and that you're good to go. Really? Right, yep. Best beer I've ever had. Well, hold so, on. So you moved up from Coors Light? Yes. Banquet. Yeah. Banquet beer. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Stirring up the shit. No, no. I'm saying because you were a big fan of the Coors Light because you had that bond with Arn and the Coors Light. So we're yeah. moving to the IPA. So, hey, at least it's not White Claw, right? I hear that's, a, that's like this generation's Zima. <laughs> throw a jolly rancher in it and you're good to go that's what they uh, used that, to do back in the day is that right you throw a jolly rancher in it and it turns the zima into whatever flavor you want it to be uh, hmm. i know these things so i'm learning let's see we're all learning tonight so saturday night's main event and back in this time 85 you know we're what, what 10 years old nine eight whatever so, in my opinion, as a kid, is one of the best times to be a wrestling fan because if you grew up watching this, I mean, you had a hell of a childhood. And basically, Vince McMahon brought you up in wrestling because, I mean, we're all marked still. I mean, Vince is the reason why we're all here. I mean, no one can argue that. Other than you could be an NWA fan or AWA, but ultimately, you know, Vince is the man. I would agree with that. I mean, you know, when I was young, that was all that was available was uh, out in my area was the WWF. It wasn't until late, much later in my life that NWA became available in the Midwest. Now, when I take that back, we had the AWA, but the AWA TV was very, it was hit or miss. Sometimes you could find it, sometimes you couldn't. Yeah, you have to have those rabbit ears and the UHF turn the dial. And sometimes you might get something. Assume the Fox 5 position. <laughs> <laughs> right? Back in, uh, let's see, 87 was when I when I started watching WWF at the time. So I had to go back in time a little bit uh, to catch up with WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2. And I remember um, when I would go to my grandparents' house in Culpeper, if you caught it on the right type of weather on a Saturday, you could watch WWF superstars in the morning and then around 10 o'clock at night – if the weather was foggy enough, you would catch uh, Channel 45 out of Baltimore and catch oh, WWE. I forgot Spotlight. about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Channel, so that, that was awesome. It was 45. So, Channel talk 45. about Channel 45. I remember when I was borders. a young lad, we had a TV. It was rectangle, and it was like that big, and it sat on our uh, kitchen table, and there was no dial. It had a dial like your radio. Mm-hmm. Right. And you had yeah, to yeah. tune it in. Yeah, so... Thanks for making me feel old. That, that was the time of Captain Chesapeake. I don't think you were... Yes. Were, you in Virginia, were you in Virginia during Captain Chesapeake? Because we had Captain 20 and Captain Chesapeake, but then they never did a crossover episode. Not like what we're doing tonight. Yeah. yeah. What the hell is Captain Chesapeake? Oh. You don't know what Captain Chesapeake is? I don't eat seafood, Okay, so... Sir. Channel 45. <laughs> he doesn't need seafood. That's funny. I did, David Channel 45 in high school that smelled have... like it, but... Oh, Lord. Jesus. What? 
so Channel 45 out of Baltimore used to do a a kid show kind of like Captain Kangaroo or uh, what's the other one? Um, the freaking clown. What, Bozo the, what the, the Clown. Bozo the Clown. WGN, so, yeah, Chicago yeah. or something. Baltimore had their own. It was Captain Chesapeake. Same basic principle. It, he did studio shows from time to time. Um, Fox 5 tried to do it. And I don't know if you remember this. This is actually the very first time I was ever on television was when I was eight years old, and I was a Channel Five Kids Club member. Really? And I had to come in and film a commercial, and and I'll never forget. It was like I was so. Uh, my dad said I was really bummed out because they they kept telling me I wasn't smiling enough when I was on camera. Oh. It was like you have to smile when you say it. I'm like, but it's not that funny. You know, it was just. <laughs> Now, Stan, oh, you're significantly older than either one of us put together. So, was this in black and white? <laughs> yes, yes. We had we had stone wheels, and uh, my my father had me crank the car up before we went head to the. <laughs> Did you do the Fred Flintstone to get it going? I got some bunny rubble feet. That's for sure. Oh my gosh! But you know, we all grew up in that era. I, over there, because you were in Colorado Springs, did you have anything like that in your area, like some guy on TV in a low-budget show? No. Nah. Well, we did, but it wasn't a morning show. We had Captain Kangaroo, but we had an, a local TV show there that was on Friday nights. It was called Shock Theater, and it was a guy that was kind of like uh, Svengooly, but it wasn't yeah. his uh, caricature. I mean, he was just a vampire. And he would have Elvira is a weekly guest most of the time because Cassandra Peters is actually from Colorado Springs, went to the Uh, same high school. It'd be nice if I went to her high school, too. She's amazingly beautiful in real life. Yes, she is. She's held up very well, just like Ginger from Gilligan's Island. So let's get down (laughs) to this. And um, if you want to do the countdown, because I can talk. Are we talking about coconuts now? Oh, Lord. Coco, beware. Uh, Coco, so, beware. Oh, why you got to bring him up? Because I finally know the story, but I want to hear it from the man himself next time. So. Now, see, <laughs> even when he's not around, there Diego goes stirring the shit. And then next time we'll have a special guest star with uh, the ever so elusive Wendy Stevens. <laughs> so we're, we'll I keep that. You. I, know I you hate do. you so much. So if you get pulled up the the WW whatever network, we're going to go to May 11th, 1985, Saturday night's mid-event. One of the things I look forward to as a kid, it's probably the best thing on TV. I stayed up late at night to watch it on NBC. So whenever you're ready, we can start a countdown, and uh, we'll hit play. Stan, hit us with that countdown. All righty. In three, two, one hit play. And immediately we're thrust with a New York accident. Oh, yeah. So, two legends. One a pop star legend and one a ladies wrestling legend. So we got to the right, Wendy Richter. And to the left, Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. And other hit songs that she had. Moving on now to... Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. You know, T. I got to tell you, I liked that version of the belt. Yeah, me too. 
wasn't around long, though. And then some random wrestler walks in the back and looks right. like Tony Gurria. <laughs> Just walking through the spot. I can imagine Vince. I'm sorry. I'm... Yeah. And that was his last day in wrestling, and then he became uh, one of those security guards. <laughs> he drove Vince's limo from then on. Absolutely. Great intro. Yep. For a wrestling show, this is a beast of an intro. You know, I gotta tell you, I don't remember either one of them looking as good as they did. But of course, you know, back then I was young, but I never paid attention to how good looking Wendy Ricker was and Cindy. Oh, Lachlan. I thought you were talking about Moolah because they showed Moolah there a couple times. Look at that! I can't. One day we're gonna go back to watching shows in arenas with actual people in it. You know, I got to be honest with you. I don't remember there ever being a white Saturday night's main event sign. All I remember is the black one. Mm-hmm. There you go again. You know, to this day, Jesse that's the body still Ventura. one of my favorite show logos is Saturday night's main events logo. Oh, absolutely. No, that's, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, give Vince credit where credit is due. Vince was a hell of a announcer. He can work yep. off of anybody. And I actually miss him doing the matches because he made everything just look so much, sounds so much better. Yeah, he brought the energy. Wow, no entranceway, just walking out of a hole. Here's the Iron Sheik. He loves to talk bad about jabronis on Twitter every other day. He'll make you he humble. To make them humble. Yeah. <laughs> make them humble. Yeah. We won't finish what? it. What championship what a hell is of a, he wearing? What a hell of a gimmick. And you know what? I, I just now noticed that he is wearing a strap. Oh, Tag team champions. Him, he oh, and, uh, him and Nikolai right. Yeah. And look what we got here. Mike Rotunda, who later became IRS. Barry Windham, who... I don't think he had the career he deserved in Del Del EF. No, he Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. U.S. Express, one of the uh, one of the best tag teams of that time, and I don't think they get enough credit for what they did in tag team wrestling in general. Oh, I agree. No, and uh, I think was it not their original song, I Am a Real American, meant for them to. It was. Yeah, Hogan, they gave it to Hogan. Yep. yep. So that's a little factoid for the kids. Yeah, here's man, a man look that at Ricky made off his deep water an awful lot of money with proper bands. Ricky wow. Steamboat, yeah. Well, uh, probably one of the best performers in the ring, and I'm not just talking about his in-ring talent. I'm talking about facial expressions. I'm talking about the way the matches were put together with him. I always loved the Fink. Yeah, me too. I mean, is there ever a, a, an announcer where, that you wouldn't try to impersonate when they do the announcing for the different wrestlers? It's always the Fink, right? When you're calling yep. a wrestler out. Hello, ladies. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget the first time I saw Nikolai Volkov in person. I could not believe how massive he was. Yeah. yeah. It's the size of a Buick. Yeah. Well, even his chest and shoulders older. were ridiculous. Yeah. Even as he got older, 
he was still a big man. Like, he was never really a small guy. And I love the fact that we grew up when there was tag teams with a concept tag teams. Yes. Not just two guys throwing together for the hell of it. Oh, my God. Look at them beating up those officers. Well, the fans were so rude back then. Oh, they were. They used to throw stuff in the ring, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the officers who were escorting the boys down to the ring. I mean, they're literally swinging at these guys. What the hell? Out of nowhere, this guy shows up. (laughs) <laughs> no, he was in there all along. He just blended he's like in. A streaker, he just runs across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the best part about Georgie Animal Steel was the Dutch Mantel sweater. That's nasty. <laughs> he said that's nasty. You know, I was just thinking of while they were doing the little promo right before the before the match. How uncomfortable did Ricky Steamboat look standing with Rotunda Wyndham in Albano? He's just like, geez, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, that that could be uh, interesting at times. I mean, look how unorthodox wait, wait. Animal was. No, you, how uncomfortable was, was Sheik and Nikolai just with George the Animal Steel in their corners? Like, what the hell did we do wrong? Well, right. Let's be right. honest. Do you really think that the Sheik even knew where he was at that point? <laughs> oh, hell no. Surprised he doesn't have dust dripping off his nose. So an interesting matchup here. So we have Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham tagging with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and then Nikolai Volkov, Iron Sheik tagging up with George the Animal Steel. Now, I don't know what the story behind this was before, but, you know, as a kid, you don't really care. It's just... Everybody in this ring served a purpose. I mean, they were all high-profile entertainers. Wouldn't you say that during this era, Saturday mornings was for the kids watching, Saturday night's main event was for the adults? Oh, absolutely. Because I remember fighting, trying to stay awake to make it to Saturday night's main event. And then there were the weekends where they weren't on and it was preempted by uh, Saturday Night Live and I'd be so pissed. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Here we go. Some just old style things going on here. Man. You know. That big Texan back, even back then, was a freaking specimen. Yes. And like Diego said earlier, it's it's a, a crime that he didn't have a better career in the WWF because Barry was just such a hand in the ring. I think many people like like Steamboat and Wyndham and honestly Rotunda, if, frankly, if they had never gone to WWF or WWE, their legacies would have been just as good, if not better. Yes, but I think that at that time, though, the biggest thing in the world was being with Vince. So, I mean, yeah, they could, have, they could have had careers in Japan or Mexico or mm-hmm. in the southern territories, but... I think this was where the money was at. I got to tell you, you man, gotta, looking at what this, we all uh, know is... again, the Iron Sheik, man, he's a bump machine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's, to be he's honest with a you, with the uh, IRS gimmick, I forgot what a worker Rotunda was. His varsity and club stuff. That's was one of the favorite. things. Yeah. 
that's one of the things that once you went to Vincent's place, you had to have that wrestling amnesia as to pretend that, yeah. oh, we don't know who Barry Windham is at all. You mean the Widowmaker? Who? No, the, the stalker. stalker. The stalker, <laughs> yeah. The new Blackjack. Oh. I actually liked that Throw gimmick. I thought there. that was kind of cool with him like, and Bradshaw. That's a sweet move there. Irish whipped and right and coming into a abdominal stretch. Oof. And look at the time. Look at the, oh, my God, Animal Jeez. Steel. Steel no. just yeah. doesn't, Ringo doesn't want to go with that. <laughs> right? He's like, uh, I'm not feeding into this. I'm just going to drop. <laughs> that was all, yeah, that was all Steamboat there. Yeah. Look at the fans, though. Look at the, see, this was back when wrestling fans, first off, there was no smart mark. This was just, you had fans. Like, look, all of the reactions yep. here are organic and real. Well, well, I think there, the big difference also that. is is that you know they didn't open up the show with a forty minute promo. Thank God, they they didn't do any stupid angles in the ring. It was just pure wrestling, and it allowed yeah. the fans to take that journey. Who are these angry looking old dudes at the front row facing hard cam? Uh, I believe that's Probably the commission the of the states. Wow. Just sitting there in the front row looking pissed off. Well, the, back in the day, watch this. because the walls hadn't come down yet, the athletic commission was required to be at ringside to ensure that all rules were adhered to. And more importantly, they got the gate commission. Wow. Everybody's got to have a piece of the pie. So, so we're looking to hear is things make sense here. And granted, it might not be today's style, but it's not. Spots for the sake of spots, or let me get my shit yes. in. Yeah, you know it's we're actually building to something here. Every move, every move has a purpose. Every spot has a purpose. Well, nice it's a different dr- mindset for kick. the workers too, because today's workers, like you said, it's all about get my shit in. Back then, it was about let's get everybody over. It didn't matter who was going over; it was who got over. Look at the height on that leg drop, man. Oh, Rotunda used Beautiful to have leg drops by. Yeah. And very underutilized talent. You know, I like the, the IRS gimmick was okay, but I think that his in-ring, in-ring work was just not the same because he had to work differently because you can't work yeah. his face. But, I mean, look at this. That's the peril of having a low stack on a roll-up like that. got to put your face in somebody's ass. <laughs> and oh. pray they don't fart. And right. You know what I just realized? Oh, what the this hell? this is the first that... time that I've ever seen George Animal Steel work heel. He was a heel when he started, wasn't he? He was. He was a heel for very brief parts of this era because I think it was 86 where he starts uh, following Elizabeth around. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Jeez. Well, that, These guys yeah. have no idea Mr. where they're at in the ring. The Sunset Flips has got to go. <laughs> that's, that's twice both members of the U.S. Express have no idea where they're at in the ring. <laughs> well, they're doing all the work. Yeah. And Ricky Steen was just oh. watching him work. Look at Steele just, just throwing oh. potatoes to his face. Ouch. I think and everybody where... complained about how stiff Barry Wyndham was. 
Well, yeah, maybe that's why he was getting apparently. sticks from uh, steel. Good lord. Uh, uh, can you well, imagine getting a face full of that sweater? Ugh, no thank you. An easy payday for Ricky Steamboat that night. Yeah. He did two moves. Yeah, he did a couple Mike of did all the work. His chops. Yeah. Another uh, poor turnbuckle. I always eaten. thought that uh, it was the dumbest gimmick. I still do, where he would eat the turnbuckle. I like, loved it. Dumb. It just... It, I bought that lock, stock, and barrel. I'm like, how is this guy not dying from eating stuffing? Oh, maybe this is the face turn. Okay. Wow. George Steele fighting off the evil Russians and in, in Iranian. Sorry. And he's using Russian a heel Iranian. gimmick to do it. Uh-oh. Lou Albano is going to turn him to the right way. Starts. Yeah. <laughs> Look how young Lou Albano was in here. Oh, Freddie Blassie. Yes. Yeah. Think we'll see Bill Apter in this one? What's taking pictures somewhere around there? I think we'd recognize him. <laughs> Quick story about Freddie Blassie. I had the amazing uh, opportunity to meet him when I was young. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting there talking. And, and you know the person I'm talking about, Pat Diego. The bald Pat. Yeah. Um, yes. He actually, he was one of the few people that worked for Vince and WCW at the same time. And he worked behind the scenes. And so went to the cap center one time and I got to meet Freddie Blassing. He was just, he was an amazing guy. And he was sitting there talking to one of the younger guys and I was just sitting there listening. And he was telling the kid, Hey man, when you, when you go lay down to get a tan, make sure you open your hands like this. Open all of your fingers so that even between your fingers get the tan because you got to be tan everywhere. Oh. I always liked the, uh, the after match interviews. I always liked those. Yeah, I wish they'd go back to that. Yeah, this is. There'd be a lot of things I wish they could do differently, but you know, I think the new generation just likes things a whole lot different. I don't know if. Uh, yeah. Would they enjoy something like this? I, I think they would because it's, it hasn't been seen in so long. You also have to have the right talent in the right places. It's it's not just as simple as, you know, character A and character B, put them in this, in this segment. It's got to be, you've got to have like lightning in a bottle like Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan. You have to have a star in that gimmick so that when they do the after match promo, it re-energizes the crowd. You know what I mean? It... It can't be like today. You couldn't maybe maybe today you could have Roman Reigns do it, but you couldn't have did it two years ago because Roman's promos two years ago were awful. But now as a heel, I mean, he might be able to pull that off. I mean, he's due for something to catch fire because it seems that although I've never seen him work, it seems like all the hate for that man might be unjustified. Uh, his heel work has been very good. Um, and pe- people can hate on him all they want, but his his turn has come off very, very nicely. So we get a Piper's Pit here. Yeah. Paul Warner, looks like he's about to make a, a turn. What of many? Sit down. 
Man, what a physique Paul Orndorff had. Yeah. He did. He did. So Paul Orndorff and Piper Spit, and then Cowboy Bob Orton was always Piper's bodyguard. You know, I think uh, Bob Orton's still wearing the cast. After all, after all, I don't know Injuries take a while to heal. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. Orndorff back at this time was his own worst enemy. He was a tremendous talent and one of the most most polished in the ring. But once he started noticing the muscle atrophy in his arm, everything went the pot. He couldn't he couldn't stay confident in the ring. Well, I think there was an issue he should have taken care of. He could have been in the ring a lot longer. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily his fault. I just think that the, the injury and then the recovery just didn't go in his favor. True, but, I, you know, knowing wrestlers, they never get anything checked out anyway. I mean, nowadays, right. I'm sure it's more common to have the doctors. And... So an argument here between Orndorff and Piper, I'm, I'm guessing from the results of wrestling, the first WrestleMania? Yep. But truth be told, Paul Orndorff could beat up anybody in any roster at any time he wanted to. Yep. He was a, he was a legit guy. Definitely. Now, don't sleep on Piper. There, there are many stories oh, about no. Piper putting the hurt on people. Oh, my goodness. I think you guys froze on me. We'll keep going. There you guys are. Back in action. <laughs> We're still here, brother. So you went from not saying, hey, at least I didn't have a 40-minute promo at the beginning of the show. We have uh, a little bit of a long story here in the ring. Yeah, yeah, but this, this wasn't a it. promo just for a promo's sake. This this was to aid Orndorff's turn and complete it on television. Today's 40-minute promos are just time killers. Somebody threw something in the ring, yeah. People paid to see Piper fight and get beat up and hear him say crazy crap on you know, on the microphone. So the Piper's pit segment didn't know, didn't matter if it went five minutes or fifteen. People were going to watch. Holy cow! Look at the height on that. Yeah. No, and he dumped him on his head anyways. And Mr. Chief for the rescue. Yep. Now, I think another person that had a similar injury that Cowboy Bob Orton had was Iron Mike Sharp. Because he could never take off that that leather strap from his uh, forearm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. People in the crowd love Mr. T. Yeah, and then... Yeah, he... Was Mr. T fresh out of, what, Rocky Three at that point? Yeah. And he might have uh, done a cameo up here. Yeah. He did a cameo appearance on Different Strokes. He also did a cameo appearance on Silver Spoons. 
Well, plus so for those the people who don't know what that show is. Yeah, and, and I think this was almost at the height of popularity of the A-Team. And right before the Mr. T cartoon, which I did watch. Now, Dude, I remember now, that. Here's an important question, Stan. Yes. Did you eat the Mr. T cereal? I pity the fool if you don't eat my cereal. Of course I ate the Mr. T cereal. Beautiful. I know where you're going with that reference. Oh, here it comes. Here comes the something not, that I wasn't expecting. You're filthy. You know that, right? Well, I'm not going to say I know anything. What's, I know what's That's really not, happening. See, he's he's giggling. the one that see, stirs the trouble, and then I get the blame, as face. usual. I hate you. <laughs> see, there was so, actually oh. a Mr. T cereal that I did get when I was a kid. Yes. Yeah, there no, was. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I ate it. Joke behind what they're saying. No. Heavens. Lies. Lies. And somebody threw a cup at Gene and Hogan for no reason. I can dig Hogan it. Hogan is phenomenal shape. <laughs> yeah, he was only a quarter of the way bald here. Jeez, that sounded like a Jimmy Flame promo. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> Daddy. 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 <laughs> Now, what's yeah, crazy about this is what the fans don't now. know That's is when nice. Hogan was on the card this early in the show, this was actually one of two shots that they did that day. They would always put Hogan on the first or the second match so they could go to the bigger city and he could be the main event for that one. What they also did with Saturday night's main event, which made the show unique, is they would put the main event on first. So you would have the undercard literally go on after, like in this case, Hogan and Orton or uh, the right. Brain Busters. Dude, look at those or, people no, 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 manhandling the cops. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Everybody <laughs> like wanted took one right on the chin. <laughs> so ouch. I think the, the, the aisles are wider now yeah. than they were back then. Yeah, DPR would have a fit at those aisles. Yeah, but look at those 24-inch pythons, brother. The guns, brother. All natural. <laughs> now we know you're on something. Cut it out. <laughs> you get guns like that by eating Mr. T cereal. It's such good stuff. <laughs> brother. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Put T him behind that hockey rink. That's guaranteed to give you a mohawk and a, uh, and a haircut. So it's guaranteed. Yeah. Now, this is such an old I I could have more, huh? way of filming. <laughs> Me too, buddy. You can actually see the dots from the house lights and camera flashes yeah. on the film. That's crazy. Oh, Mr. T's ripped and then... <laughs> well, he it's ate his cereal. Too. That's how he got ripped. Also, are we looking at a one-on-one or a tag team here? Uh, no, this is going to be one-on-one. Hogan and T are going to tag Piper against uh, out Piper and Nah, it's supposed to be Hogan and Orton for the title. Is that right? Okay. I was not paying good attention because you mentioned Mr. T cereal and just. Because you mentioned how good a shape Mr. T was in. I said he eats his own cereal, of course. I did. And he sprinkled he on that whole Hogan milk. You know, I'm not Mr. T or anything, but I'd have been pissed off if Hulk Hogan had tore my shirt off. We're like, what the hell, dude? I'm not wrestling tonight. I paid like $4 for this shirt. <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, he tried to pearl harbor job on him and it didn't work. Yeah. 
doesn't have the uh, the testicular fortitude to keep up with Hogan. Now those assless no, chaps no. that uh, Orton's wearing. Do you think he got those from Carnage? Oh <laughs> uh, well. Who? I'm just asking. Items. You know that TV star and Hall of Famer. Isn't he the guy that we uh, watched get laughed at at the in in line at AEW? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was pretty. And there goes Orton, three back-to-back body slams in. Now, when he did that powder, did you pay attention to how he powdered? His son powders almost the exact yes. same way. Really? Is that yeah. right? Now you got he me. He comes out to watch and does that. both of those arms like this. Yeah. yeah. Dang it! I mean, I don't know how he's doing it. His arm's been broken for thirty years at that point, but he's still going. can't say enough with how good Jesse Ventura was on color commentary. Yeah, WCW dropped the ball on that one, but I understand why Jesse was angry. So, I mean, they didn't have a chance for the paycheck. Wow. Beautiful. Oh, see, he hit that arm and he re-injured it, so there's another 10 years for the cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oof. Trying so this is a, one of those... Bo- and I think, you know, give Hogan credit on this because I know people can say what they want about Hogan and his three-move skill sets, but he's doing a really good job tonight. I mean, at that time, he's putting a lot of work into this match. Well, but the, see, back then, you, you didn't need to do all that. You know, we were just talking about this with our, our other guest. Less is more. You didn't have to do 50-foot backflips. You still don't. Well, but but remember no. the reason as to why you didn't have to do it. Because people wanted so badly to see you lock up. Yeah. Because you did it right. You built up properly. Today's wrestling fan doesn't know what this really is all about. If you have a fan today, a brand new, let's just say it doesn't matter which company they like the best. But if you put a brand new fan in front of this, they would be like, what mm-hmm. What the hell is this? They'd be lost. Yeah, I, I actually think a guy with his hands in his pockets at this point. I agree. Because, and, and the Bucks make fun of it, but the methodical plotting pace of a match that tells a story of working a body part or, you know, selling and bumping, they don't understand what it all really means. So you're saying, I don't know much about the Young Bucks. Honestly, I, I won't, no, I don't want to make your friends mad about AEW because I really don't ha, ha, really care ha. for it. But um, but so what's going on there? So they don't believe in working so, a wrestling match? Or, so here's the monkeys? thing. One thing actually that AEW has done well is mixing styles very well. So you do have matches where it's ridiculous high spots all the time. But you also have matches that are very technically done and done well. You also have matches that have a little bit of a gimmick to it. They have the right mix, the right formula right now. Um, but the Bucks have okay. always been criticized for as long as I can remember for not working in a in a match that that makes anything makes sense psychologically. So, like right now, we see Orton dropping dropping a knee on Hogan's head, working the head versus Hogan working the arm. So that's what they're doing this whole match. The Bucks don't do that. The Bucks will hit a super kick, a moonsault, an, uh, an indie driver, which is basically a, 
a combination uh, somersault into a tombstone. I mean, there's just different things that they do. But there's you no sense. You left out 4,000 other super kicks. Well, I was trying to keep it simple. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, oh, and a Canadian destroyer, because you can't forget that. That's what everybody does now. But that's what their matches typically are comprised of. Now, they've gotten lucky and had some great, great tag matches with, like, Paige and Omega. But mm-hmm. versus looking at what we're watching now, this is this is Hogan in his absolute best understanding a crowd and what it Absolutely, takes to make yes. a crowd react. Bob Orton, I mean, it, it's obvious, you, you know, for who Bob Orton is. This is what wrestling came from, and yet today's fan doesn't know the history. And, you know, and, and Hogan, he could adapt to pretty much everybody's style. I mean, obviously, if you were working somebody who do high spots, may not be the case, but whatever Hogan did back then worked. Well, and he, and I mean, he just I had think, to throw out the palm And it says a lot because, you know, people say that Hogan is this and that, but he gave Bob Orton an awful lot of play before he started making his comeback. Mm-hmm. And look, a wrestling match, somebody went for a cover. When's the last time you've seen that? Actually, I feel like today's wrestling has too many covers. How many yeah, damn exactly. near falls in one match? Yeah. Kick out on nobody two. kicks out on one or two anymore. Everybody kicks out on two and three quarters. Two and a half, two and three well, quarters, I'll tell you what, two you remember... nine tenths. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But you remember, DeVore, that back in the day, kicking out on one, people got upset. How'd you go to get cut on one, man? Oh, that's when you poke him in the eye. Yeah, I like just the over my eye gouge. You could lay there and let the uh, look at the referee count three wow. for no reason. That can't be easy to hoist up a guy that's three hundred three pounds, put him on the top rope. Speaks no, a lot no, of going for a superplex. Yeah, has Hogan ever taken a superplex? Yes. yes. Well, he gave the bossman a superplex from that cage one time. In the cage, and somebody yep. from the crowd that just tried insane. to jump in there. Wow, I never noticed that before. So, stand on me ass. Bionic elbow. <laughs> Big leg drop, and this should be good. Oh, I think what happened there? I think a fan pushed Roddy Piper into the ropes and hit Hogan. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> yeah, the rest didn't. <laughs> Uh-oh. And this is how Get you draw tea. proper heat. Ooh, ooh, that's some shit punches right there from Mr. T himself. Yeah. Well, they may look like yeah, shit, but according to Roddy, yeah. they were real. Yeah. Oh, just like Uncle Jerry when he used to punch me in the face in the corner mm-hmm. when he was doing the clown. That hurt. But they looked like shit, but they hurt. Mm-hmm. So, Stan, let me ask you. Young Bucks... Or another team I'm mentioning here, the Motor City Machine Guns. I'd probably pick the Motor City Machine Guns. I would say the same thing. Because both Alex Shelley and Chris Saban know how to work. And honestly, From your lips it, to God's ears. It wasn't until I started working for you guys with UCW that I started to be able to tell the difference on some of this stuff. Now, granted, I'm still learning a ton, but... I always thought that the Bucks and the machine guns were pretty much, you know, cut from the same cloth. But there's a huge difference in the way they perform. Mm-hmm. A huge difference. 
Well, there's, well, there is a yeah. There's definitely a little bit of a difference, but I think I saw them work at TNA or an Impact show, and I was very highly impressed by that bunch of machine guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they, they were properly they, they trained. They spaced their stuff out. Yeah, agreed. Now, how old was Moolah at this point? 85. <laughs> Come on, Stan. <laughs> I mean, I look at her. Like, she looks like she's I was going to say 140, 70s. but I thought I'd be respectful. <laughs> you think she was still pimping out her girls back then? Yes. <laughs> oh. Everybody's, everybody's getting pimped out back then. Moolah was the original screw job. Yep. I'll never forget watching that and being so confused as to what happened. I'm like, what are they doing? What happened here? <laughs> now, do you I liked think Wendy that Richard the Mid-Atlantic Moneymaker stole the yeah. gimmick? You don't ever say that again. <laughs> Hot pockets. Oh, my God. What are you going to fix? Hot no. pockets. But, you know. Moolah, the monster heel, though she, for many years. Decades. I mean, she, she was a, a good example of what Jericho is now, as far as less is more. She could make a, a rake of the back or a claw of the eyes last for fifteen minutes, kind of thing. Like she could make it matter, whereas people have to do backdrops and body slams and suplexes back then. She didn't have right. to do it ever. Wow, Cindy Lauper was actually pretty hot back then. Yes, she was. Right. I mean, yeah. not yeah for a brief moment. And, and she's what? another one. She guy? aged really well. Her, that's her husband back then. The producer, one of those record producers. <laughs> He's just Dave like, I Wolf? just want to be there, man. <laughs> Is that Andy Gibb? No, it's Dave Wolf. Jive talking. Oh my god. <laughs> He's the reason the others like, died. Yeah. <laughs> Richter, honestly, when she looks at, at her, when she looks at Lopper, she doesn't even look like she likes her. Well, I'm sure I heard stories that there there was a lot of animosity between the workers and the MTV personalities because the workers were resentful that they just walked through the door and got to where they were. And a lot of Mm -hmm. them felt that the walls were being put down too far. Yeah, but, you know, anytime there's a celebrity who made a one appearance or two, they got paid an exorbitant amount of money compared to the boys. Yeah. Well, what I mean by that was they were allowed access in the locker room. And back then, nobody got in the locker room. So for them to walk in and get in the locker room just because they were celebrity, it was making a lot of them mad. I think Uncle Ivan would have whooped their ass. But anyway. Oh, those people oh, grabbing on Cindy Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. Ouch. Animals. Oh, animals. dude. That guy uppercutted the kid. <laughs> They're, well, I mean, the cops aren't even, they, they can't take the time to look behind them, so they're just back-slapping anybody they got to to get it out, get down to the ring. And it wasn't even a, it, yeah, it wasn't even a European uppercut. It was just straight up, here you go, kid. 
<laughs> Boom. <laughs> this was pre. I'm going to see Yeah. I think I saw the kid's retainer fly about 100 yards, but. <laughs> There's Moolah, you know. And, you know, it's sad to hear, you know, what we know now about her, but, you know. Yeah. Still doesn't take. Oh, is he going to read a, a Leaping Lenny Poffo poem? Where's the genius when we need him? Exactly. He was... I just can't get past the oil funnels that she's wearing. <laughs> she had to do something, man. She wasn't necessarily a, uh, you know. Diego's over there having a stroke going, oh, God, we're going to get sued now. <laughs> By who? No, we can't guess. By who? <laughs> I don't even An think apparition? there's anybody left. Yeah. <laughs> See, I wasn't going to go that far. Goodbye, Cindy. Stop taking away yep. Wendy's heat. I guess they saw her true colors. Oh, Shazam! <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> this girl, this girl ain't having fun tonight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because <laughs> she can't look to her left and see what's happening in the ring. <laughs> she has to watch on the little bitty oh, TV. That. <laughs> Wait a minute, Cindy. That's high tech for back then. I don't understand what just happened here. So she raked her so hard she fell on her back two times. She hit her with that the oil funnel. Eye gouged. Oof. She gouged her eye with the oil funnel. That put anybody down. She hit her with the booby to the face. Oh, she has a look at that. She got think she got a gimmick out of her brazier. See, I told Ouch. you it's an oil funnel. Look how hard she pushes on her head. Oh, they legitimately hated each other. Did they just kill each other? No, they did. When I say Moolah was the the original screw job, it's true. Yeah. And it was a legit screw job. Oh, I know. I know. You're talking about the spider lady. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Moolah and Wendy Richter hated each other. See... Oh, my gosh. For the longest time, I used to hate watching women's wrestling. And what Wendy just did with that kick is why. So that kick that's supposed to be to the stomach, where she just throws her chest into it because she's afraid to actually take the take the bump for it, I used to hate that because it just made it look weak. Even though it probably hurt worse than a kick to the stomach. Yeah, but I think, I think Moolah caught her with the tip of her boot there, so it might yeah. have been a little crisp. Yeah, I'm sure See, everything there point, was crisp. Yeah. At this point, if it was to, in today's environment, Wendy would have gone to the back and started tweeting how unprofessional <laughs> Mula was and how she hurt her. Thanks, Mula, for the great match. Yeah, selfie. She just beat yeah. me up, selfie. Mula was just such a. Uh, she was so smart in the ring. And yet she's done not one wrestling move the whole night. Nope. And she doesn't have to. She can just sit there and let them do whatever they want. And that's Dude, they are stiffing the crap out of each other. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, hello. Damn it, Hugo. How did you do it? Ouch. He had money. 
right. I got a few bucks in the bank, you know. Book it. Mm. There's your kick out of There you go, Moolah. Show these people. <laughs> Show them how it's done. But see, honestly, me. I was just about oh, to say that, that yeah. Was... <laughs> Wendy is working heel oh. more than Moolah is. You can't out-heal the Moolah. Well, look at what Wendy has done in the match as far as her attacks and the choke versus Moolah, who is just doing, basically just fighting. Oh, nice. Wow. Like a... So, <laughs> and, and you know what's fun? If, if you were me... bored to death during the match, you could sit there and count the liver spots on her legs. Ew. Oh. Ew. Somebody, just... Somebody hand her a magic marker. She can connect the dots. That's so nice. God. Send all hate mail to <laughs> contact Devor at UCW.com. <laughs> Don't send it to the UCW page. <laughs> send it to Stan Grubb. Oh, great, because I need more hate mail. Oh, you get those too? I, I haven't been attacked in a while, so we'll have to trade stories. See, that's why I'm doing all the heel moves. I, I'm trying to take the heat for you guys. So, I don't get it as much as I used to. Well, they, that's why you're they gonna hang Paluchu. out with us a lot more. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Paluchu? He said he Did you say Paluchu? No, I'm good. I don't oh, need any Paluchu. Thanks. He's he's a married man. He don't need no Paluchu. Junkyard dog and Cindy's Mother's Day party? The hell? I don't remember that. Is... Well, we're about to be refreshed here, so. Good. No cardboard Lord. cutouts okay. in that crowd. This was. So, uh, who is she? Some... Yeah, I guess that's his wife. And for those, I... that's his mom. Oh, my bad. I, didn't, I have. I don't. I have this muted, so I can't really hear what's going on. But is that his, uh, Junkyard Dog's very nice mother? So you saying? Well, I don't know if it's legit, but that's who she was portraying. Damn it! This is real to me. That's his mother. <laughs> Thank you, Dave Wills. This contest is scheduled for one fall with a 20 minute time limit. Oh, thank God, because it goes 40. I don't know if I could handle it. I remember this cat. The what? <laughs> I remember this cat for some reason. Like a cross between Jim Duggan and uh, Buddy Landell. <laughs> I was going to say Jim Duggan and Jimmy Flame. Well, there you go. That'll work. <laughs> no disrespect to Jimmy Flame. Mama we dog. love him. I oh, love me awesome, Junkyard man. Dog's entrance music. Thump, thump, thump. <laughs> grab them cakes. Oh, was it grab them cakes? That should have watched hey, some sort of yeah, He said, don't be touching my mama, boy. Wow. Look at how, like, people people are not... The the amount of people that usually reach over the rail and try to get a hold of these wrestlers, they, it's not happening for Junkyard Dog or his mom. 
Like there's there's still fans trying to, but it's not anything like it was for Hogan or Steamboat and them. Look at the idiot kid in the camera shot. <laughs> but, but leave him alone. That's his five minutes of fame. I was gonna say he's he's on TV. Yeah, that's true. Right now he's probably a grandpa. Howard Finkel's like, don't you fall on me. I like this guy. And he's going to play the music the whole way through the match. Well, I mean, it's Junkyard Dog, so it's not going to be a long one. Yeah, you're not going to see Junkyard at that time in an Iron Man match or a two out of three. <laughs> two out of three seconds. But I love the Junkyard. Is, oh, is he going to do an elbow from the... No, Sadly mistaken. Wow, it really does look like Jimmy Flame there. And he's and he's busted his lip open because it looks like oh he's got chew in his mouth. No, he's missing teeth. Oh, Ew. that would ex- that would explain a lot. And that is very interesting. Just pulling him up by his hair from the apron. No, that's not very nice to do in front of him. Oh, mother. don't raise your hand to his mama. Oh, and Junkyard's working heel the whole time, and the fans love him. Yep. Go. Some comeback. And I forgot this guy's name, but I like him. I like to book him. The Duke of Dorchester. Pete Doherty. I'm going to try to. If, hopefully, if, if he is still with us, I'm going to look for him as a guest of the next Diego and Devore show. <laughs> you guys don't go to call it the Diego and Devore show? I hate you. <laughs> yeah. So. I hope you catch dysentery. I w- Dysentery, just you know, a little something lighter like a Legionnaire's disease, so <laughs> a little something more for a gentleman. Leprosy or something. Oh my. And the Duke of Worcestershire is about to get slammed from the top rope. Dude, he's picking Oof. him up like a bowling ball. <laughs> he did he put his like thumb in, in the thing. <laughs> that ain't a cell, man. <laughs> Look at those gangs! Look at all those gangsters in the in the by ringside there. That's what I'm saying, dude. They look like they're ready to take out a hit against whoever's in the ring. Absolutely. And this one lady there's having the time of her life, and that should be it right there. Come on, Duke. Got to give him the hope spot. Who is this reference? Not today. Not tonight. That's hard. You know. There's a lot of referees that Vince used during all those years, and I mean, he looks cool, but you know, we know more. Yeah, because we know the Hebners, we know Joey Morrell at the time. Those were and Danny Davis. Those were the more the famous referees. I love Danny Davis. Almost dropped him there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he sandbagged him. Yeah, he did. Ouch. And that'll do. And here's this interesting fellow there. Yeah, some drunkard drinking his <laughs> twelve. There's your beer. demographic right there. <laughs> oh, oh, oh God! <laughs> this is back when you could smoke in the arenas, and it's always filled with tobacco smoke. He don't look too happy about that. How can he not be happy to win? Because it's sandbag. That's why. 
Well, you'd get sandbagged too, or you'd sandbag too if somebody tried to treat you like a bowling ball like that. Yeah, that's true. You gotta let mama dog in now. He's not a very good gentleman with his mama. You should have pulled he, the rope he up. He didn't even hold the rope. He loves man. his mama. What? That he still owes, he still like owes Papa Woody you. money. <laughs> right? Uh, that's <laughs> got that that's serial killer. Of the day. Yeah, that referee looks kind of... I mean, he looks like he's in good shape, though. He's like, if you touch my bow tie, I'll kill you. <laughs> so, are we staying with that theme for next year, Mr. Devois, with the referee's oh, outfits? You know, one of the things I so, always found I really impressive it. about JYD was his traps. Yeah, he had pretty good traps, and then... So, I heard a little something, and... It hurt me to hear tell. from a stranger of Facebook, Mr. Dubois. Is it true? Is it not fake news? Did you strip the title off of Ethan Cross? Oh, here we go. You're going to bring that up now? You're going to bring that up here? <sighs> this guy. Yeah, because, you, really you know, I was going to do a little... in for Ethan. I was thinking about doing the same thing to uh, the TV champion. I forgot his name, though. <laughs> Can't forget Jason Raddatz's name. How can you do that to him? I was joshing around. I figured it might so have... I will be addressing the Ethan Croft issue uh, this weekend sometime. Uh, but you would be I... punctilious with the assumption oh. of Ethan Croft will Hold be stripped of that oh, title one way or the other. Who is this? Well, thanks, Gene, for being a creep. <laughs> Scheme Gene tried to get him a kiss. Well, I'll be waiting to hear a little bit more about this thing and and with Ethan. But anywho, this is Hogan's is mom. Hogan's what he said? Oh, Mama Hulkster. Was this shot of Mother? Is is May eleventh Mother's Day? Or something? I don't uh, know. Mother's Day does happen in May, yeah. Oh, damn. I believe I it's remember the first. Uh, no, Mother's Day is uh, May 13th, isn't it? Well, it's it's a certain Sunday I think it's May. the first Sunday of the month. Oh, okay. Or the second Sunday, something like that. I don't know. I think it's second Sunday. So, anyways, Sunday. apparently... They're doing a tribute to the mothers or the wrestlers or the managers here. And, uh, you know, Wendy Richter, she a, sure did uh, change very quickly and uh, redid her hair and makeup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fabulous Moolah out here to crash the party. Uh, yep. No, no, go ahead and stay in awesome front of the cake. She has on. <laughs> right. looks, like a, looks like an Ace Freely cut. I was going to say she stole that from Kiss. Either that or Elton John. Uh-oh. Yeah, take your nice shiny outfit. Stand right in front of the cake, please. Oh, so, wait go. a minute. So, now we can't say that even back in the day we were growing up, these little backstage antics <laughs> were a little long. Yeah. WWE has always loved their their backstage skits. 
Yeah. I'm digging I mean, Cindy they, they Lauper's really Oscar that. hairdo. Yeah, you know, they really pushed the Cindy Lauper to the moon, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, 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 she Jean got, oh, not Gene. Oh, Gene. <laughs> Why would you wipe so it has got a, well. That's a little bit unnecessary. Now how much would you pay to see Moolah lick the icing off of Gene? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? This just took a weird turn. That, <laughs> that might have been the IPA talking. Been... <laughs> I think so. So in back Jesse's to suit that he Vince stole from uh, Jesse, the body uh, Billy Graham. That's a good look for him, though. I like I like I like that better than some of the outfits he had later on. Just watching the the two of them interact and how both of them, their camera presence, Ventura and McMahon, just they commanded that spotlight. They didn't they didn't have to be pointed or told what to do. They just did it. Yeah. No. Well, those are two people that understand the the rest. Of, that's it for this. Yeah. Yep. Back then, it was a, a one hour edition. Now, I always dug this, and, and they didn't do it very often, but I always dug them putting up the credits. Yeah. I remember when uh, WCW used to do that at the end of their pay-per-views. Yeah, I always liked that. Well, that's it for that episode. We're not going to go into the next one because apparently it wants us to, but Titan Sports. So what do they do with that trademark? Do they keep that, or is that still alive? Or oh, I'm sure Vince will have that trademark for the rest of his life because that was his father's. And uh, Coliseum Video also was another ex- exciting brand they had. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure they still got that. That was actually Hillbilly Gems. Wow! So you never know. And beautiful time to be a wrestling fan. I don't know. How, how did you start? How do you guys feel about this? Uh, Saturday night's main event, Stan. Start with you. Um, honestly, for a wrestling show back then, it, it still felt kind of disjointed with how they had the the card scheduled or, or organized. But you can tell that this was we're going to take all of our big major stars and put them on the forefront. I mean, they had everybody: Ricky Steamboat, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, Bob Orton. I mean, you had all of your main people, JYD, um, and that really helps everyone to kind of focus on on what they wanted to sell. So if I remember correctly, this was Saturday night's main event. They got one shot at it, and this was basically their pilot. So they said, okay, we're going to get – we're going to make it our greatest hits kind of attempt, and that's how it came out. Was it the Vore? I, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, it was a bit chaotic, but for me, I, especially as a kid, I liked the chaotic formula because it just, it added to the realism of the spectacle at that point, because, you know, people say there were no smart, smart marks back then. There were, but they're not as rampant as they are today, obviously. But I, I think it was easier for people to, um, 
engage and suspend their disbelief because of the chaos that happened. Uh, you know, and I could agree to some extent there, but, and I had to say for its time, because wrestling is wrestling. You could have these same matches today and it could kind of work. But I think as far as the presentation of it, and I don't know this for sure, it seemed a little bit rushed because the editing was a little chaotic, in my opinion, sporadic. But it was a lot of action for that one hour because how much did you really get in an hour wrestling show nowadays mm-hmm. as far as matches are concerned? Well, the the editing was chaotic back then because you got to remember live TV at this point uh, with the exception of established companies like the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball, nobody was really doing entertainment or sports entertainment, if you will, in this kind of a format. So they were pretty much learning as they went. Right. You know, and I can understand that because it was probably the same issue when uh, Monday Night Nitro came on, you know, from the TV tapers for Saturday night and worldwide which I think they have more time to edit, you know, when you when it's live. And I don't think they were a company at that time that were used to doing live shows, especially a, like a one hour, then the two hour format, you know, yeah. You can see where it'd be a little bit chaotic as far as editing is concerned or where the cameras were supposed to be. But I well, think that's the first... true because in the TV taping, you can always do it again because there were many times during TV tapings uh, when I was in WCW that a guy would start his promo and would mess up and they would just dim the lights, come back up and they'd start the promo over again. And likewise with matches, there were several times where a match got botched and because they did their TV tapings in a cluster, they would just do the match again later on, either that night or on another day and they would get what they wanted out of it. Right. And then Vince, his product always got better and all his live showings are always, you know, were always better. You know, he, he's the master. He dominated pay-per-view and live TV. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was Vince. I think it was NBC because at this point, um, all of Vince's shows were all produced by Vince's crew. Mm-hmm. When they started uh, Saturday night's main event is when they did the adventure with uh, NBC and Dick Embersall. And I'm sure Dick Embersall set him aside and said, look, let my guy show you how to do this more and do it better. Because Vince always wanted to do the, he wanted to push the entertainment aspect anyways. So NBC, because they did so much Hollywood TV, you know, they'll bring in the best people to film and they'll show your crew how to do it. Yeah, because growing up, a lot of the stuff that we saw, a lot of it was pre-recording, like primetime wrestling or wrestling challenge, superstars, wrestling spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, all were, you know, for house shows and edited pretty good. But I think that Vince's live shows, because even some of the pay-per-views still suffered a little bit from the technology oh, and the editing. The, uh, but it had the feel of a, and I hate to use this term, but of a, of a, of a real sport, like you're watching, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it just seemed like anything could happen, but it seemed more real the way Vince was presenting the wrestling at that time. 
Oh, absolutely. Because even on the pay-per-views, they actually had an intermission. I remember the screen going dark Mm -hmm. and it said intermission with the countdown clock. So it gave you that sporting feel of, okay, they're in the back. They're going over what's happened so far. So the guys are back there with their managers or their agents or whatever. And they're coming up with the game plan on how to top the first half. So with that, with talking about events and pay-per-views, what was your first ever pay-per-view? Uh, I'll go mine was WrestleMania 2. Uh, what mine was your was first WrestleMania pay-per-view? 1. Stan? Uh, WrestleMania 4. Really? My first pay-per-view. Yeah. That was a good, that was a good pay-per-view, yeah. Back in that time, I mean, we had, I mean, we had cable, but my parents were only willing to spend with, but so much. And my dad, it took literally begging my dad because I wanted to watch Hulk Hogan and I wanted to watch him fight Andre in the tournament. Um, and I remember WrestleMania five, I was supposed to watch WrestleMania five, but my dad actually said no. It was like heartbreaking for me as a kid. I was like, come on, I'm going to miss the pay-per-view because none of my friends were wrestling fans. So, I mean, it the part one of the drawbacks of, of uh, growing up in a military family is your your circle of friends is typically pretty small. So you don't really get a chance to, to branch out. So none of my friends liked wrestling. So I was like myself and my older brothers. And uh, WrestleMania 4, I'll never forget my older brothers and I just watched watched it from start to finish. I must have, I think we recorded it because I remember watching it over and over. So you, needless to say, in the future years, were one of the people that stood in line for the the videotape rental stores for the next WWF event to come out on VHS to rent. Uh, while I didn't stand in line for them, I definitely was constantly looking in the sports and entertainment sections of oh, video oh, stores. Oh, wow, that's right. Yeah, find. it was sports and entertainment section. Wow. You never stood in remember, line. You're not a true fan. Back then, they had um, they had arrows. Yep. They had yeah. uh, uh, highs. Used to have a video rental place, and then of course mm-hmm. all sorts of mom and pop video rentals. But I mean, as far as what you could find, literally you could find uh, NWA, AWA, World Class, WWF, and UWF at any point in time, like all the way through '92. You could find all of that stuff on tape. And then seemingly in 92, all of those VHSs just disappear. And the only thing you can find is WWF. And occasionally, occasionally at WCW, like best of Starcade kind of thing. Up until yeah, I, the mid-90s. Now here's yeah, the important the, yeah. question. Were you a beta or were you a VHS? Um... Uh, I think it was just VHS. I think we had beta for a short period of time, but I don't remember it very well. But I I do remember for a fact having VHS for for a majority of the time. To this day, I still don't know what the difference between beta and VHS was. To me, it was the same thing, just betas were smaller tapes because we actually had both. And... It was nice because if, if something wasn't available on VHS, you could usually find it on beta and vice versa. I think that was a more European thing, Betamax. Ah, I just I remember going to Errol's, and if I couldn't find it on VHS, you could get it on beta. So beta was supposed to be a better quality video, 
and it was supposed to be able to record longer programs. Really? Yeah. Now see, look, but see, I learned much something like laser new every day. Didn't last. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you could record things on different settings with VHS, the SP, LP, and the other one. Well, I think that so came that, later on down the road. Oh uh, yeah. I must have had one of those fancy machines then. But... No, because I remember when we were working for James Wells. Yeah. And you and I had uh, got a, what do they call them? Camcorders? Cam we got a camcorder. Cam and I remember there was a little button on there where you could, like you just said, you could record in regular play or extended play or super extended play. Yeah. Those were the days, man. So, good watch along and brings back memories because, you know, a lot of those folks that we saw there are no longer with us and... That's kind of true. sad, but great childhood, man. I'm sorry, but yeah, I think uh, nothing but great memories. Very yeah. true. So just with Stan, you know, I had to beg my mom, hey, can we get this pay-per-view? So I had this little scam going on. In my <laughs> Here early we teens. go. It, was, it wasn't illegal. So I used to invite right. a lot of my friends. <laughs> I invite, no, wait. I used to invite a lot of my friends over for the pay-per-views. I said, hey, each of you bring $5 with you. Help mm-hmm. me pay for this. And whatever's left over, once the pay-per-view was paid for, I bought food with it. So okay. it, it, it all kind of worked out. You, know, you can't beat well, a $5 that's pay-per-view. That, that's, a, that's a good way to do that. That's actually very smart. Don't tell Brian that because he'll try to get me and Rob for back money. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, but with the thing- today's prices for a pay-per-view, it's 60 bucks. You got to get a hundred people in there at five dollars. But here, but here's the best part of the scam, though. I never paid a dime because if you invite like ten friends at five bucks a piece, like fifty bucks, right? Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Pay per views are like thirty bucks. Sometimes oh, twenty five. Twenty. Right so there, you go. Pay for the food with a little extra casuals. You know, you just put it on the side for later. I see how you're. I'm calling the IRS. Hey, you do that. <laughs> but uh, so, so I yeah. think that the next one we do, we should do a pay-per-view. And I'll let you guys night. pick it. Okay. What if we did Tuesday in Texas? Damn, you break my mind. That's the one they, uh, the Rockers, they, they wrestled the Bushwhackers, right? No, no, I don't, I don't think. Well, now so. if we're going to do the Bushwhackers, we got to do the Bushwhackers versus the fabulous Rougeau brothers, so you can oh, see the famous God. handshake. The no. famous Hucklebuck. I think that was a, this Tuesday in Texas, right? Uh, what you said? Well, I said Tuesday in Texas, but I, I don't, I'm now looking up the card vigorously, trying to find this and figure was out that if a that's true. Tuesday in Texas was, if you remember, it was. A last-minute thing, and I there's supposedly a story where Vince was apparently in trouble because Survivor Series didn't broadcast the way that it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was some kind of crappy finish, and the, the broadcasting rights didn't go properly. So he said, well, all right, well, to make it up, we'll do another show, and we'll call it Tuesday in Texas. So he, he does another pay-per-view to try to – I think it was to make right with viewer's choice – which was the mm. pay-per-view company at the time. But 
So Tuesday in Texas was Hogan and the and Undertaker, Skinner and Bret Hart, Macho Man and Jake Roberts, Warlord and the British Bulldog, DiBiase and the Repo Man versus El Matador. And poor Tito. Poor Tito. But it's crazy because when you really look at this this show it really plays out like a Saturday night's main event. I remember it very well um, because at this time, first off at this point in my fandom, I was over the moon Hulkamaniac, right? Mm-hmm. So I hated the undertaker. I hated Sid. I hated that whole storyline. Cause all I wanted to see was Hogan and flair. Mm-hmm. Let me see the dream match. Cause I had at this point finally seen Ric flair and knew he was really great but I never got to see the match that I always wanted to see, which is a straight-up Hulk Hogan-Ric Flair match. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we don't get to see it as fans until 1994, where they finally have great matches. But Yes, I rem- the story goes is because Vince threw them in the house shows to see if it was going to pan out. And the yeah. crowd reaction was not what Vince wanted. They weren't getting behind Hogan, they were getting behind Flair. And at that point in Hogan's career with the WWF, that was a no-no. And that was also a trap that Jake fell into because the next person in line with Hogan was supposed to be Jake. And when Jake DDT'd Hogan, the crowd, he blew the roof off the place. So you're telling me there was no tag team match that night? No, not not with the the Rockers or the Bushwhackers. The hell was I watching? Well, let me ask you this then. So, yet again, Bret Hart got kind of screwed on that one. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. Are you one of those those Bret Hart fans that feels like he was a victim of everything? Quite a lot of things. I'm a big, you know, still am oh, a big Bret Well, Hart let me fan. be crystal clear. Here we go. Vince did not screw Bret. Bret <laughs> screwed I knew Bret. You were Ah, <laughs> uh, so with that, you know, I'm not even going to stir the pot. So this is something you can all address this weekend. So now, I, you XYZ know got. You know, it'd be a really good watch along if we can find it. Wrestling with the shadows. Oh, you know what? I'm in for that. I'm in for that because that would be that'd be really something. Um. Okay. And, and a follow up episode to that would be watching Montreal. Uh, Survivor, Survivor Series, Series after that. Hey. Okay. I'm game. So it'll be a while before we get back together again. So Stan. Because um, we're going to do this. We're going to do this more or I'm going to fire Stan. I've, you know, <laughs> I feel like I've already put myself through the creative ringer. So anytime somebody else comes up with a show idea, I'm down. <laughs> so, can we do a watch along of you stripping Ethan Cross of his title? Only if we do a watch along of uh, Ethan Cross's response. Really? You really? wasn't happy with you, boss. I hate both happy. of you now. I mean, did you have to strip the guy? I mean, you know. Did I have to strip the guy? Of course yeah. I had to strip him. He's your champion. And that's the can, point. He is we, not worthy of that championship. But that's for another. That's for another day. 
can we strip the titles off of Joe King and Tremor because Joe King's last podcast, the audio was real shitty? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> You're going to strip him of the strap because he had a fan blowing in the background? Hey, I have stock in this company too. So my minority stock. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. My minor- right. Voice your concerns. Go ahead. My minorities ownership of this company gives me the votes to where I can put this to play in a championship committee. I can introduce the bills to the committee. So what else do you want to introduce? Go ahead. And I know Stan's 0.5% stock into it. I think he would vote my way. 0.05. You got to make sure you get it right. They're very specific out there with the shareholders. I'm giving you I'm giving you a raise 2021. <laughs> Holy cap. <laughs> I think um I think what we instead instead of this all this strip nonsense cuz I think that's silly. I think what you should do is it it should be the boss and Ethan Cross. Get in the ring. Settle your differences like men. Yeah, in the uh in the courthouse. With well, lawyers. Yeah, there you go. Six feet. Six feet. Real men no longer have to fight. We have the, Social the court system. Social <laughs> Stan, since, since you're joining us, it's been a while since you and I have talked. Uh-huh. Um, what's going on in the wrestling world today? What's the latest news? Uh, well, it is... I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier today. Um, Roman's heel turn has been huge. Um Fans that, and as predicted, fans that hated Roman as a good guy are all of a sudden like, oh, this is such a genius move. He's a bad guy, finally. So everybody's loving it. Um, AEW is two weeks now in a row where their broadcast was just very disorganized. Granted, there were more high spots or, or highlights than there were low points, but in in the wrestling fans' perspective, it's still riding that wave, but they've definitely had some, some hiccups. Uh, NWA is getting ready to come back with NWA power. Billy Corgan yes. released Good. a notice. My favorite uh, show. I will say that if they do it, he's got a lot of work to do because he's lost a broadcaster in Wade Barrett. He's lost a, a producer and co-owner in Dave Lagana, which is smart because Lagana got exposed he lost Jim Cornette, which say what you want about Jim Cornette, that was credibility that he brought to that program for the history and legacy of the NWA. So that on top of the way that apparently some of the talent has been treated for wanting to get out of their contracts and being told no. Um it's got a lot of work ahead of him, but I think NWA power could still be uh something that moves the needle going into twenty twenty one. Last I saw, Ring of Honor has taken on kind of a kind of a UFC Ring of uh, not Ring of Honor, but a Raw Underground kind of approach, to kind of a grittier feel with their television tapings. I'm told I haven't seen them yet because my area doesn't carry the station, but I'm told their programming you know, is. I'm, uh, I'm glad you much- said that, and I, I hate to interrupt you, but I was wondering what happened to Ring of Honor because in my area, Ring of Honor was on, uh, I believe it was Channel Seven. And all of a sudden, they just 
they friggin' disappeared. Because, I mean, yeah, COVID took everybody out of business for a while. But Ring of Honor on Channel 7, whatever channel it was on, they were just playing old episodes or the best of. And all of a sudden, they just disappeared. So I had assumed that they had, I don't know, they were restructuring or they'd gone under. Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has been... um... Sorry, I was trying to get my voice remote to pull up the listings. Usually it does. It hasn't anymore. What usually happens with Ring of Honor, in my opinion, is that they're the talk of the town after like their best of the best pay-per-view, which is usually the one that – that or Final Battle, the two different pay-per-views I'll watch of theirs. Um, but in recent years, their televised product has been, just like you described, almost ridiculously hard to find. Yeah. Um, there was a time where you could actually find them on YouTube – if nothing else, but now you can't even find them on YouTube. It's it's a way of you hurt your product, you hurt your your fan base if you don't make it available. Well, and how much of that is that the list. legal troubles are in? Well, that's an interesting topic because even though I haven't seen anything recently, the last commentary that came from I think her name is Kelly Klein. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joey Mercury was really damning of of Ring of Honor because they weren't treating injuries with the proper type of care, and they weren't taking care of talent in a way that really helped talent benefit with the company. In other words, they're paying them, you know, pennies on the dollar outside of a core few like Jay Lethal and uh, uh, the Briscoes and. What's the guy's name? Silas Young, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the people that have been mentioned as far as the ones getting paid on a regular basis. And outside of that, it's kill or be killed, which, I mean, you guys know better than anybody. That's just not the way to run your business. If you're not going to pay your people, don't be in business. Yeah, I was actually that... stunned when I found out that sometimes we paid more than Ring of Honor did. That's interesting you say that, does so, but that kind of brings to it kind of mirrors, and I'm not talking about the ECW that when Vince got a hold of it, but the ECW towards the end to where mm-hmm. certain people had that guaranteed money and certain people were either the checks were bouncing or not getting paid, you know, very little. Yeah. Well, and there, but there, therein lies the rub because some of those guys were smart enough to get a lawyer and hold Paul Heyman's feet to the fire and say, no, you're going to pay me and pay me in cash and pay me first if you want me to perform. Shane Douglas has said it multiple times. Tommy Dreamer even did it once because he knew he was running low on money. He was running out. And basically he was told by his his wife, you need to provide. Um, well, from which, what I understand, it got so bad that at one point Tommy Dreamer was going to shoot Paul Heyman on TV and then yep. kill himself. That is something else. And I haven't heard that, but, you know, let's look at it like this. Wrestling is wrestling. This is this happens since the dawn of wrestling. Not everybody's going to get paid. You're going to get paid right. shit money until you make it to the big time. You're not really going to make a whole lot of money. You can go to work in New Japan and all Japan, if it's still around, I'm not really sure. You can make money there. You can make money in Mexico. But there is always a problem with... Now I use this term indie guys because anything that's not McMahon, people consider indies. All right. Correct? Well, I mean, even you can attest to the pay because when you went through your ECW thing, 
one of the things that I distinctly remember was uh, Paul Heyman was embarrassed to say that he could only give you $75 a shot. I don't love $75 a shot back then, but you know, I had to find that through a second party. You know, I don't want right. to mention his name and you know, it's one of those things where I guess I was a day late and a dollar short, but Hey, you know, at least well, no, somebody but recognized. I, I found out later that that was actually true because there were a lot of those guys and I was shocked at how their position on the card that those guys were only making 50, 75, maybe a hundred dollars a night. And, and they were on the upper mid deck level. Right. But you know, that's good money for indie money. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to drive halfway across the country to get there, but look at this. You can't put a price on exposure. Well, I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah you, you can. can. Back, I mean, because seventy, time, like you said, seventy-five dollars is a lot of money in indie money. Because yes. you compare that to the three dollars you made your first match. Yes, very true. The thing of it is, is, and I think this is something that I've seen more with today's wrestlers than wrestlers back in in y'all's y'all's day. Realistically speaking, you can put a price on exposure now. The problem is it doesn't measure up to what is, and I don't know where this came from, but what the expected payoff is. Um, you get guys that are brand spanking new that, hey, they're trained and rightfully so. You should, if you're going to be, if you're going to do something, you should get paid to do it. I agree with that, but at the same time, it's also to an extent where you have to recognize, hey, look, we have. 100 people or 50 people or 20 people or even just 10 people on this roster that are all working today, you're not going to give every single person $300 or something crazy like that. That's why it cracks me up when you see a guy like uh, Joey Ryan who says he's going to sue his freaking uh, accusers. (laughs) Yeah. And he's not suing for something small. When I saw he said he was getting $3,000 a shot, I fell over laughing because I know for a fact that he was not making $3,000 a shot. Now, he may have worked a couple of promoters for that, but Joey Ryan, back when people were trying to get me Joey Ryan, he was making three, four, maybe $500. And at that point, I said he was smoking crack. Well, how many times was he working a week? Uh, He was working two to three times a week. Okay, I was so, going to say, I can guarantee you he was working at least two to three, yeah. So, tentatively, you could be making about a grand a week or maybe selling gimmicks or, Yeah, but you know, he, he's, trying to, he's trying to go back and sue the people he's already admitted that he molested that because yeah. they came forward and said that, that he's losing out on 20 grand a month. So, that he allegedly, allegedly. Oh, no, no, it's not no, allegedly. Is... He came forward and admitted it. Yeah, he so, just he did one of those faux apologies where he tried to claim that, hey, you know, at the time everything seemed cool, but looking back on it now, I see where it could be, you know, misinterpreted. So for that, I'm really sorry. Which is the reality of of a person saying, yeah, I was a real dick back then, but that, now I feel better. Please forgive me, kind of so, thing. And okay, so is this the guy that people voluntarily grab his shit? Yep. Yes. During the match. Yeah. And well, now, now you say the okay. word volunteer. That there was no volunteer. If you worked him, you did that spot. Period. Uh, yep. Yeah. Negative Ghost Rider. Ask Candice LeRae. 
ask Candace LeRae. This is the person that was his best friend before her and Johnny Gargano got married. After her and Johnny get married, she's getting ready to work a matchup with Joey Ryan. Joey comes to her and says, hey, we're going to do the, the plex, the penis plex, and one of the other spots that he does. She says, you know what? Hey, listen, I, I really don't think it's a good idea. I want to try something different. Literally puts his junk in her hand. Yep. Is this like a, you know what time it is kind of junk or? No, he like, pulled he pulled the old schlong out and put it in her hand. And basically he, what he was trying to do was like, what's the big deal? You've done this all sorts of times. He was trying to be the character. Is another example of a guy getting so caught up in who he is in the ring that he forgets who he is out of the ring. And so he figures, well, you know, he's wild and crazy. He's going to get a reaction. And he does this. It's not just her she, that he does this to. She's just the biggest name that's come forward. Okay. Well, There's I mean, a lot of people that have come yeah. forward in his case, and it's really not a good deal. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to defend the guy, but I'm looking at it from, from my perspective mm-hmm. is – Everything I've ever seen of him, yeah, always touching his junk. So, eventually, somebody's going to have a real problem with this. Well, if if we were just talking about the dick spot, that'd be something different. But the last time I tallied, it's up over thirty people that have Mm -hmm. said that backstage or, um, hey, the the hotels are all booked up. Can I bunk with you? And you wind up with his junk in your hand at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So definitely. Okay. I don't want to use the word, but yeah, definitely. That that deserves a little jail time, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 easy to understand where people would say, "Hey, look, you know, you don't really know what really happened," and I get that. Mm-hmm. So, regardless of what you think of the accusations, um, like you said. $30,000, that ain't happening. You're not making that anywhere, not even for Vince. And def- the fact that you would sue an accuser, even if it's not true, even if it's completely false, the fact that you would have the balls, no pun intended, mm-hmm. to sue an accuser and expect to win. These, these women don't have money. Half of these women are indie wrestlers. Well, I read well, somewhere they... that the reason he's suing the accusers in I, I tend to believe this because being in court so many times as I've had over the years. Mm-hmm. This is a very common tactic that sleazeball um, attorneys will use. You turn yeah. it on the accuser and you tie them up in court with court costs and eventually the accuser runs out of money and things get dropped. And then yeah. the person comes forward and goes, see, I told you I was innocent. Well, they weren't really innocent you just manipulated the system and made the accuser run out of money. Right. Right. I mean, and there is that, but you know, we know for sure that there are those down the road, a lot of wrestlers or actors or whatever, that there are people out there that would make accusations that are not exactly true. Oh, sure. So I would expect that person to sue the accuser for something. Well, if it wasn't true, yes. If there was just a, a sporadic person that said Joey Ryan made me cup his wiener. Okay. Whatever. I mean, how many times was a rat brain shown in your and my day? 
I get that. But when you have I, I 30 people come out and yeah. they don't, uh, the thing that stood out to me was some of these people that were coming forward, they're not friends of each other. And they have right. the exact same story, the exact same MO. So we can say now that the locker room of yesterday cannot exist today. Oh, hell no. If you did the equilibrium test or you showed the rat brains today, you'd be sitting in jail. Right. So, yeah. And I guess in a good way that, yeah, blood has changed. But, you know, wrestling has changed so much that sometimes it's not enjoyable to watch or read about anymore. I think we could touch on that on a different episode. In my opinion, how these uh, armchair bookers and smart marks have kind of ruin it for me. And maybe oh, absolutely. I think it's just... and, and I didn't mean for this to, you know, to yeah. olive branch off into something else. And, and, you know, cause I know you don't necessarily like the product new. I just, I hadn't had a chance to chew the fat with Stan about what's going on today. And one of the things that I thought he was going to touch on and he didn't was the departure of Rob Van Dam from impact. Uh, you know, I will say this, and I definitely I can I will touch on that. Um, when it comes down to today's product, I happen to feel very similar similar to Diego in regards to how it's treated and how it feels watching. Like when I watch Raw, or not as much SmackDown, but when I watch Raw, honestly, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to be watching it because oh it's yeah, just last that week's Raw was yeah. I. I I, and look, I'm a huge, and I'll be the first to admit it, I am a huge WWF mark. Have, have always been. Mm-hmm. And, Same and WCW mark. Last week's Raw was probably the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, but where do you, where do you go with the way things are? So, do you guys remember a show? I think we're teenagers at that point. It was WMAC Masters. Yeah, yeah. The, the fake martial arts fight show. Yeah. This is what we're getting nowadays. Oh, I agree. This is, this is what I it agree. feels like. Well, he, here's, here's my thing on this. I'm, I'm very torn because part of me understands why it sucks because of COVID-19. You don't have the depth of the roster that you would normally have because there are mm. plenty of guys and, and girls Likewise, that have chose to stay home and rightfully so. If you don't want to perform, if you don't feel safe, you shouldn't have to. And so both companies, both AEW as well as WWE, they're doing the best that they can with what they've got to work with. And it's got to be hard on the simple fact that Raw is three hours. Smackdown is three hours. NXT is two. Is it an hour or two hours? Uh, SmackDown and uh, NXT are two hours. So that's five hours a week that you have to fill with the last time I saw. It's just a little under half your normal roster. No, and I understand that. But even let's say we get out of COVID and they bring back the full staff of the folks. It's a very cookie cutter thing they're doing because every time they bring talent, it's a homegrown talent. And I don't think exactly that great. They might do great in training, but it doesn't translate to performance. Mm-hmm. None of these shows. You know, there's no reason why 
Vince couldn't have a Kenny Omega in there. There's no reason why Vince can't use Ziegler to his full potential. There's no reason. There definitely is a reason. How's that? It's Vince. Vince doesn't understand wrestling anymore. I I think at one point Vince did. Well, but I don't think he understands how to actually put wrestling shows together anymore. That. That's an interesting take. Every, everybody, everybody says that that it's the and I and I get it because old man he has his thumbprint on the final say, and I get that, but a lot of it is is not Vince's input anymore. You got to remember when he went public, it changed got, yeah. the business. Mm-hmm. It isn't it isn't necessarily this is what Vince wants. This is what the three floors other than Vince's floor full of board members that are telling him I'm paying money for this stock. You need to do this. And unfortunately, a lot of these stockholders do. I'm not talking about the everyday common stock person. A lot of these people that hold a lot of stock in WWE, they don't really know the wrestling industry mm-hmm. and they're, they're, pathway in this industry or nine times out of 10, the dirt sheets or what they read online. And so when you've got that pushing you, you know, even with Vince is as powerful as he is, there comes a point in time where even Vince has to give the board what they want. I mean, I understand because it's similar to when AOL time Warner merged and they, try to play wrestling with WCW and there's not much Eric Bischoff could have done because they, they, he had people tell him to do those shitty things and the product kind of suffered for it. Well, like no, adding, that AOL like merger, adding that, the AOL merger happened because Jane Fonda divorced Ted Turner. And well, so I mean, Ted Turner sold TNT and AOL wanted nothing to do with sports entertainment at all. And when right. they found out that, well, crap, when we bought this package, that WCW was part of it. They didn't give two shits about the product. So they just sent in business executives to run it. And you can't have a business executive run the creative aspect because again, they went to what other people were telling them they should do rather than having wrestling people tell them, no, you can't do that. Right. But you're saying that right there, it's the same thing where it parallels what Vince has to answer to the stockholders, non-wrestling people telling a wrestling company how to be wrestling. Yes. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Not well. But but for WCW, it wasn't stockholders. It was people that AOL put in charge. It was a board of directors of a different type. But yeah, The, the thing is, though, with WWE, when you really look at it, it's... It is honestly Vince's fault. Vince is the reason that the scripts are late. Vince is the reason that the shows are disjointed because Vince is ultimately, just like you said, putting his final thumbprint on before it it actually airs. So when these guys and gals come out for a segment and they just found out about it 20 minutes ago, I mean, as a fan, unfortunately, it's not it's not Vince leaking this information and it's not Meltzer anymore who's leaking it. It's talent leaking this information and they're out of control and well, there's not anybody look, really getting I, 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 the shit backstage either yes there there is some of that and and i don't want to come off as you know i'm hugging vince's nuts because i'm not 
he needs to step aside and he's needed to step aside for a long time. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is the what Vince is dealing with now is what WCW was dealing with back in the day. There are too many Indians or excuse me, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Very there's true. too many people underneath the Vince that are running around in these meetings and that's why promos are late. That's why this is late. That's why that's late because there's so many heads of the department that don't really understand this industry. They're coming up and going, Oh, we got to change this because so-and-so is unhappy or, you know, they're worried about this. They're worried about that because the talent of today is much like the talent of WCW when WCW imploded. They've given the talent too much. When the inmates run the asylum, that's when it falls to shit. It does have a hand into it, but you know, this is something we can talk about all night long, all three of us, and even with the rest of the C2C crew, we can talk about it all night long, but we're looking at the time and the episode, this has been a great ultimate watch along. And I think it would be great if we could start doing, um, some of these watch longs and then we'll do some analysis afterwards. It's been very healthy for us to do get you know, get all our thoughts out there. And, uh, I definitely have to do it again in the near future. And, uh, hopefully yeah, our I think schedules... we should do it once a month. Yeah. So we'll work on that. And, um, so the principal's anything... kicking us out, Stan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's time to take out the trash. Like our friend used to say, uh, Oh, so was he watching rock Richards? Uh oh! Now you can. Why is Rock Richards garbage? <laughs> <laughs> so Stan, hey, thanks for uh, being part of this, and I'm glad that we'll make this a semi-permanent thing. You know, once a month, hopefully, we could do it more often than that. You know, as time lets us, and maybe we'll have uh, the elusive Wendy Stevens can join us one day. I hope. I hate you. God, before I we go, you. How's, you know what? How's, you know what? How's Wendy doing? Damn it. I'm tired of that. Wendy Stevens, you're fired. (laughs) I don't know who you are, but I know you're on my payroll and you're fired. (laughs) You can't can't fire a legend. Impossible. (laughs) Wendy is doing quite well. He is. Well, you uh... know what? I I really enjoyed this. And, and, you know, wait a minute. I I know I just said let's do this once a month, but I think we should do this every week. Every week? Uh, Why not? Uh, okay. Uh, okay. It would depend. It w- we would probably have to vary as far as nights of the week, Monday through Thursday. You could probably get me to do this any night because I work till nine and then I'm available. So You'll I'm up late anyway. When I tell you to do it, because sleep is our enemy. We'll talk well, about schedules on the next one, but you know. So with that, uh, yeah, you know, let's. I want to get the fuck to bed. I'm sorry. <laughs> you so went the Stan, whole hour and 51 minutes without dropping an F-bomb. And here yeah, you Brian go. You dropped the F-bomb. I think Stan did like 20 times earlier. No. No, oh, he wow. didn't drop an F-bomb at all. It sounded like it. But anywho, <laughs> that's my truth. So, Stan, it's a pleasure. Thank Hey, welcome aboard. Hey, She's thank a, you. Ultimate watch along. Yeah, next and, time uh, we'll see if we can get Brian and Rob on here. 
And I yeah, promise we, I'll be a good boy. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Keep you and Brian separate. I don't know. Uh, see, there you the go. Passion overwhelms them. The last few minutes of the program are now Stan's during the shit. There you go. Well, Stan, thank you, brother. It's been too long, and uh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thank you guys so much for having me. I always like just talking shop with you guys. It's the best. Yes, yes we'll do. And um, Mr. Devoir? Question mark? <laughs> God, I hate you. Stan, you flex your <laughs> titanium pipes and take it home. Yes. Uh, once again, Stan, thank you so much for your time. Diego, thank you for allowing us to do this. You, sir, are a gentleman and a scholar. Aw, shucks. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show brought to you by Anchor.fm. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, or wherever you catch your favorite wrestling podcast. This one was brought to you today ad-free, but we would like to take this time to thank Invicta Watches, Rogue Energy, and Amazon.com for their sponsorship of the shows. And until next time, stay safe.